Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Stibben Zhang Show, episode 59. Eric, in today's episode, we are talking UFC fight night, uh, Johnny Walker versus Mal Hill, and of course, other news in the NHL around the Montreal Canadiens, uh, Tyler Toffoli getting traded to the Calgary Flames. More on that, but before we jump into the episode, as always, roll it! Welcome back to the Stibben Zang Show, episode 59. Eric, I, like we said, or like I said, UFC fight night uh, this Saturday. Johnny Walker versus Jamal Hill. And then talking a little Tyler Foley, trade to the Flames, and you know what else we can expect from the Montreal overall selling at the deadline. Uh, but let's start in the UFC, UFC fight night. Johnny Walker, this is a light heavyweight matchup. Uh, a pretty good one, pretty interesting one. Johnny Walker has lost three of his last fights. He's kind of just, you know, sledding down. Uh, and Jamal Hill, a uh, nice little prospect, young prospect in the light heavyweight, currently 9-1-1. One, one. Uh, one of those losses, uh, no contest because he was actually tested for marijuana. Um, and then that other lo- uh, lost was submission. He got his arm snapped. Um, but now, uh, looking to increase his stock in the light heavyweight division going up against Johnny Walker. I believe this is what, what 10 and 12 ranked fighters in the division. Johnny Walker still ranked 10th, yeah. lost three out of his four. That goes to tell you yeah. what state the division is in. If a guy's able to maintain uh, top 10 status, but yeah, uh, Johnny Walker coming off a loss versus Thiago Santos. I don't know if you remember that fight, Eric. A very boring fight. Yes, a lot of people called it a technical battle, whatever. Um, not typical of Johnny Walker, um, of his fighting style. You know, he's a very explosive fighter, throws the flying knees, the front kicks, the spinning back fist, but uh, has recently changed uh, gyms. I think uh, he's fighting. Um, where was it? An Irish gym, SBG Ireland or something like that. I forget it was. But um, his fighting stance now, after that Thiago Santos, it seems like it has changed a little. He's become a little more patient. Um, you know, uh, yeah, like I said, he's patient. He, he's taking his time with the fights. Uh, maybe not the best way for him to uh, change his fighting style. He's more of an explosive fighter. That's the Johnny Walker I like to see. But uh, yeah, maybe this will be a slow fight. Nonetheless, Eric, Jamal Hall. Uh, guy has knockout power, explosive striker. Um, I got him all day for this uh, knockout TKO first second. We'll get more into that. But yeah, I got Jamal Hill. I find Johnny Walker. Uh, he's, his striking defense is very bad. He's going to take a lot of shots. He's going to eat a lot of shots. And that question about that chin air. What do we know about that chin uh, of Johnny Walker? He's been knocked down by Corey Anderson, knocked out by Corey Anderson, knocked down by Rand Spann got three knockout losses in his career i think but uh yeah a lot of question marks on that chin eric what do you like about these two fighters who do you like going into it who are you giving the edge okay. to okay so your analysis okay thanks good analysis Stib. yeah so okay for this fight very interesting because on one side you have hill number 12 ranked the favorite though and then on the other hand favorite right yeah oh uh, yeah um, Jamal is definitely the favorite if this was two years ago Maybe Johnny Walker's a favorite, yeah, but a lot of exactly. time, two years, yeah, happened. So yeah, he is the underdog, uh, Johnny Walker. So yeah, the thing with Johnny Walker is, 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 it's like he's one of those Brazilian fighters, like kind of like Michelle Pereira, where like he'll, what he does is very erotic f- fighting style, but people love to watch him, you know. And yeah. 
he he knows that and like he, he doesn't mind getting knocked out that there's nothing but other than the last fight but like usually he doesn't mind getting knocked out so that's why people don't mind watching him fight because either he's getting knocked out or he's knocking out someone so that's the type of fighter that people like to follow so last fight people were expecting this huge fight you know something like like yeah. someone get, to get knocked out you know or like johnny Barn walker burner for sure but johnny walker took his time fought his uh brazilian friend in tiago santos very yeah. tactical fight nothing wrong with it Di- obviously he didn't win but it showed that he can be a bit more technical but the only thing with that comes with technicality is that the fight's not as interesting and it, it, it most of the time is boring right because it, it's a it's just yeah. tactical fighting so um for this fight i don't know it, it's, it's hard because i've watched like one or two of hills fight i've seen his knockout I, I, I've read a bunch and yep. everyone's saying that he'll knock out power. Oh, he'll knock him out. He's, he's knocking him out and they're not giving really a chance to Johnny Walker, but as I know Johnny Walker better, I know what type of fighter he is. He, he he's six, six fighting at two or five. Like this guy, well, this guy's super tall. And so what I saw in the Ryan span fight, someone who got knocked out, but just keeps going even like, just kind of like crazy fighting style. Yeah. If if he can implement some of that and some tactical, I think he's he, he'd be a really good fighter. So honestly, if I give me Johnny Walker for this, I'll take the underdog in this fight. But I don't know, man, because I feel like Hill he know Hill's gonna try and knock him out, but Johnny Walker is gonna fight st- strategically. Yeah, and try, his time. I don't know. But I want to see Johnny Walker do something crazy. Yeah, uh, for the for the betting odds. Uh, Jamal Hill is under 275, the favorite. Johnny Walker is a plus 225. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamal Hill, uh, for those who don't know much about his fight, he hasn't you know fought much. He's only 9 1 1 uh, compared to 18 and 6 for Johnny Walker. Uh, he's an unorthodox fighter. He likes to uh, fight southpaw. He likes to uh, hit with his left hook a lot. Um, he does a lot of body shots, which we saw against, uh, who was it that he fought last? I wrote it. Oh yeah. Uh, OSP of St. Pro, uh, body shots. He's a great orthodox as well. He, he loves to switch up his stances, uh, both stances. So he, he's pretty good with his combos with his, uh, when, when, you know, when he's in Southpaw with his left, uh, even, but when he goes orthodox with his right, his left, he likes to mix up body face shots. Um, and, uh, he has knockout power without even having to load up there. And so, uh, but his stamina, not so good. Uh, he started to gas out in his only UFC fight that ever won three rounds. Uh, you could see he was wearing down, but, uh, I don't think that's going to be a problem this fight. I don't expect this fight to go the five rounds, Eric. I expect yeah. this to finish in the first or second. I think Johnny Walker is going to get knocked out. Um, okay. you know, if he decides to go, you know, fisticuffs standing with uh jamal hill i don't think it's going to end well for me johnny walker a good way for him to win this game uh, this fight it's probably to out grapple jamal hill maybe take him to the ground because hill's uh he's still he's still a black belt uh and, or i forget which belt he is in the uh, bjj but um I th- i'm pretty sure his uh his takedown defense was exposed uh against the likes of paul craig which he lost uh he had that Man, he was on the ground. He was on top of him, uh, but he got his arm exposed many times with the arm bar. And then so Paul Craig got him on the arm bar, broke his snapped, I think dislocated his shoulder. And so he, he tapped not he didn't tap out, actually, but he was getting knocked around. And so the ref called it. So I'd say it was like a submission slash TKO in the round one. Um, but I don't expect this fight to the, uh, go to the ground any 
hmm. anytime soon. So I think Jamal Hill is going to get the clear advantage striking wise. Um, you know, Johnny, Johnny Walker's just, he's gone flat for me, Eric. I don't know. He started explosive and then he, he lost to Corey Anderson uh getting knocked out and then Nikita Krylov a decision he just looked so flat just got taken to the ground couldn't do anything Ryan Spann he nearly got taken out in the first round uh again but then he got uh, a lucky in my opinion a lucky TKO knockout and he was kind of on top of I don't know Ryan Spann what happened to him but uh kind of just took the took the beating and then ended up losing and then Thiago Santos that was a boring ass fight everyone knows that so I don't know this flat patience kind of like style uh, that he's switching to. Don't think it's going to work. I think uh, Jamal Hall is going to be looking to press the guy, get him against the fence. And then that's where he does his work. That's where he did his work against um, OSP, uh, OVP. Yeah. So that's the thing. Uh, I, I expect that OSP. Sorry. So I expect the yeah. same thing to happen uh, in that, but let's go to some of the, some of the nice bets here uh, that we have that I found uh, mostly bet online. There's not a lot of the, uh, player prop bets uh open right now but um i like jamal hill uh but his knockout power he's expected to win by knockout uh which is fine but it's not a great bet because it is projected but for hill to just win in the first round or second round his bets are pretty nice so for jamal hill to win in the round one it'd be plus 325 so that's a pretty good odd or round two is plus 25 so if you're either thinking it's gonna be a first round knockout second round knockout uh, there's some pretty good odds there however Johnny Walker, I am taking Jabal Hill to win this fight, but Johnny Walker, the like I was mentioning, the only way for him, for my eyes, for him to win this fight is maybe taking him to the ground, out grappling him. So there's maybe a chance for a submission there, maybe, but the odds I like it is plus 1,400 for Walker to win by submission. So that's an interesting bet, uh, in my opinion. Um, but for Hill to win by TKO anytime, it's under 130. So there you go. The odds are really not there to make some money. So trying to find these uh, these different bets there that can make you some money. Um, under one and a half rounds, over one and a half rounds. Under is plus 205. Uh, over is plus seven, 172. So there's a chance to make money there. Don't think this fight's going to the distance. Either it's going to end uh, in the first round or it's going to end in the second round. The problem with the one and a half is that if you pick the under one and a half, you're projecting that it either goes finishes in the first round or it's going to finish at the midway point of the second round, which is a tough bet because it could end past that. It could end near the end of the second round. But uh, those are just some, some, some bets. If you want to throw some money on either one of them, a little money, you're going to make some money. Um, but yeah, that's uh, some interesting bets uh, for me, for those two, it's going to be an interesting fight night. Uh, yeah. This has a lot of weight, uh, not, not so much weight in the light heavyweight division. Yeah. A bit, though. It's a bit of a slow division line heavyweight in the UFC. Uh, Johnny Walker's on a losing streak. Um, three of four. This kind of reminds me of what's it, Kai Car of France versus uh, Cody uh, Garbrin. Cody Garbrin. Oh. Yeah, but Cody Gar- Johnny Walker was never at the level as no, Cody. Yeah, 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 Cody Garbrin. But where he's like kind of dropping now, three of his last four, yeah. um, he's lucky he's in the light heavyweight division because he's still yeah. ranked number 10. He's lost three of his last four. Usually in any other division, that would drop you out of the top 10. But don't forget, with the light heavyweights, are very, there's not a lot of big names in there. Yeah. So Johnny Walker is a recognizable why. name. People know who he is. The thing with Johnny Walker is he's legious. He's six foot six and he's just athletic. There's nothing else to it. Like, he's just athletic. That's all, you know? So it's yeah. going to be tough. It's going to be, I, I don't know. 
it, he does have the reach advantage. Oh. 82 inch reach, small mm-hmm. hill, 79 inch reach. He does have the what couple inches on him, the one inch or something like that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the he only does way have the he wins, yeah. the only way he wins is if he does what he did to Ryan Span. Like he's probably gonna get knocked down, like get a lucky shot, and then you know get yeah. one lucky shot and just keep going. You know. Yeah, he's gonna have to jump on those lucky shots because exactly. like I don't know the Ryan Span one just made no. You know, I watched that fight over, and it's like Ryan Spans look. He's looking good. He knocks him down, and then he like goes at him or something. I don't know if he uh, what's his name uh, Johnny Walker clipped him or something, but he drops basically going for a takedown, and then you know he has uh, the mount position on him. He starts hammering him, and like Ryan Span can't get out of it, and basically the ref calls it. So I don't know. I don't know if I think Johnny Walker got lucky a little there i'm not gonna you know say that was a game-changing fight for him because then he fights Thiago santos right after and just i don't know what that fight was but it wasn't boring and both were expected to freaking you know throw the fist but they both didn't and then Thiago santos has the audacity because his contract was up to ask for more money at the end of the fight uh which was pretty funny because he had a shit fight and he shouldn't be asking for more money they'd be lucky he didn't get cut um but uh yeah I like the unorthodox style, the southpaw okay. style of Jamal Hill. Um, it's unconventional for orthodox guys. It's hard for them to predict. He's good with his left hook. He's good with his right hook. He's just monster striker. I think he's averaging like 7.2 strikes in a minute or something like that um, when he gets in close. So I'm going to go. This is going to be standing up. Unless Johnny Walker thinks he can get something on the ground with the grappling. But even then, I think Jamal Hill uh, in the first or second round is going to come out explosive. And Johnny Walker better be prepared, man, because that chin, I'm telling you, if he gets clipped or something, um, it's going to be a short night. It's going to be sweet dreams for Johnny Walker, mm-hmm. let me tell you. Um, so, yeah, I like uh, Jamal Hill. I'm going to take him to win this fight. Uh, you know, I think he's under 275. So even if you bet 100, you're going to make you're still not going to make back the money you put yeah. down. So um, try and look for those other bets. Uh, bet online. Jamal Hill wins in round one, it's plus 325. Round two, plus 525. So those are some good bets. Uh, I wouldn't go with you know, wins by TKO anytime I'd, I'd go for a round finishing in a round. That's where you can make your profit. So make sure to jump on that. Um, and then Betway is offering the under one and a half too bad. It's not two and a half, two and a half would have been a great bet. I would have taken the under on two and a half. Um, but the one and a half is a bit tough, bit tough. Cause that midway point of the second is going to be your cutoff time. So, uh, but I think it's going to explosive round one or two for me, TKO knockout, um, Jamal Hill for, Sure. Um, that's it for the USC fight night, Eric. Unless you have more to talk about for those no. two. But uh, for the, the the UFC, especially this is a fight night in the light heavyweight. Definitely not the most entertaining. No, this used to. I think this was supposed to be the Rose uh, Rose Anios uh, or Rose. Uh, it was a R- was it Anios. I don't know yeah. if it was RDA, but it was a canceled fight. It was supposed yeah. to be. Uh, anyway, it was canceled. And obviously, this one is not as good as the sched- pre-scheduled one. But uh, we'll have to make do with the light heavyweight. It's going to be interesting. Hey, if Johnny Walker, if he could surprise me, man, mm-hmm. it'd, be, uh, it'd be fun to see. It's just I like Jamal Hill. He's a nice prospect in the light heavyweight. Yeah. I could definitely see him uh, working on things, working on his ground game because he has the striking down. He could, be a, mm. he's, he could be a dangerous striker in this division, one of the dangerous ones. So yeah. look out for I, him. I, I, I don't want to look too much ahead, but I'm excited to talk about like Masvidal versus Covington soon. Oh sure. yeah, it's UFC 272, 273. Yeah, uh, yeah Kobe. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, those are going to be some great, uh, great episodes. But uh, yeah. 
Let's switch to the NHL, Eric. Ooh, okay. We haven't talked about the NHL in a while. Oh, yeah. For good reason. Uh, Montreal Canadiens haven't done much. There isn't much to talk about. It's just waiting now. We're all waiting uh, for news to break of trades and stuff. And, oh, what do you know? Uh, one of the Montreal's successful signings by Bergevin, yeah. uh, Tyler Toffoli, uh, who signed for four years, 4.25, was led the team with 28 goals uh, on that Stanley Cup uh, miracle team there uh, last year. And now this year, Montreal dead last. He's getting traded uh, out of Montreal um, to the Calgary Flames, Eric. Uh, I kind of love this trade by the Flames. Uh, love it a lot for them. I like this trade for Montreal's end, too. Yeah. I'm going to go more deep into it. So Montreal, uh, Eric, the trade, they get a first-round top-10 protected pick by Calgary. They get Emil Heinemann, who was the main piece in the Sam Bennett deal, uh, which happened last year. He was the main piece. It was him in a second round pick for Sam Bennett, basically a 2023rd fifth round pick. And Tyler Pitlick, look at that. We're stacking up on the Pitlicks, Eric. He got injured in his first shift of the preseason, so hasn't really been able to fit in um, in the depth pieces for the Flames. So he's kind of been on the, the scratch, uh, not playing. So they get him. They reunite him with his cousins, Eric, Rem and Rhett Pitlick. We're actually going to win the cup with the Pitlick brothers, let me tell you. <laughs> it's going to be a dynasty, just them and Tyler Pitlick. Screw Suzuki, second line. Put Tyler Pitlick, first line center. Just fill that line. I don't even know what his uh, cousin, Rhett Pitlick, if he's a defenseman or forward. But Rhett Pitlick, doing fine well in Montreal as well. He's doing pretty good. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. The Pitlick brothers. Because uh, Rhett Pitlick is a fifth round. And I think, anyway, if he can <laughs> develop and get these three on the same team. No, we'll see. That's, a, that, that's just making a joke. It never happened. Tyler Pitlick is on an expiring deal. And he will be out of Montreal after this uh, season's end. Uh, it's just a money thing. Just said uh, to retain some salary for Montreal's end. And uh, yeah, the Flames, they get Tyler Toffoli, who still has two mm. years left on a very reasonable 4.25, yep. a bargain of a deal. Uh, let me tell you. So kudos to Bergeron, but he's gone now in LA enjoying the sun. So screw him. Um, but no, uh, Flames, Eric, second in the Pacific with 58 points. They are mm. 26, 13, and six. Uh, Brad Tree Living, uh, Eric, uh, I'm actually going to quote him. He was talking about having to do his job, how the players have done their job. It's time that I do mine. That was uh, what he said after he made the trade uh, for Tyler Toffoli. They said second in the Pacific, right behind, what, Vegas, I believe now. And, um, yeah, Daryl Sutter, Eric, is going to get a a very valuable piece back, uh, one that he helped coach and develop immensely in L.A. LA, uh, when Toffoli won the Cups there and so or in 2014. And so now, like, Toffoli, what, he, he knows Milan Lucic. I think he said he knows, like, 10 guys on the team. Uh, Jacob Markstrom, his time in Vancouver. So yeah. a big thing about for the Flames, why I love this deal so much, Eric, is the chemistry they're getting back. This is a guy who's, what, in L.A., great locker room guy, comes to Vancouver. He's a great fit there. And in Montreal, especially with the young, young guys. So this is a great locker room guy. Right. Uh, and the Flames, there's a lot of players there he knows. Uh, like I mentioned, so it's just great fit, in my opinion, for uh, Tyler Toffoli. Um, looking at the line projections, they have him playing on the third line with Dylan Dubé, Sean Monahan, who he played with in uh, junior college, or um, was it college junior? I think junior he played with. Uh, yeah, junior. Played with Sean Monahan, and he's projected on the third line, which is interesting. Second power play unit. Flames are extremely deep now, Eric. Uh, I don't know if Tyler Toffoli might jump on that second line with Backlund. Uh, if they flip Coleman and him. But right now, that third line, get some chemistry back with Monaghan. Get him going, maybe. Sean Monaghan, who's kind of dropped off the wagon so far in his career, Eric. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Tyler Toffoli, 
a great addition, 20-something, 20 20-25 goal scorer. He's going to provide yeah. some great depth for the Flames, who now, Eric, they, Brad Trevlin, Brad Trelevin said, uh, they're all in. This is the year. Uh, he's yep. going for the cup. So expect more deals, uh, furthermore from the Flames. Uh, tough Foley's might just not the end of it, might just be the start of the mm-hmm. Flames, uh, stacking up for a good cup run here. But, uh, Montreal, they got a first round pick in a stacked draft class, Eric, stacked 2022 draft class, top 10 protected, uh, whatever. Flames are not going to drop into the top 10. Emil Heinemann. Uh, is kind of the main prospect we get back. Um, I was kind of shocked. I saw this at first, and I, I saw Emil Heinemann as a second-round pick, and I was kind of thinking, wow, they couldn't get, you know, Zary or Peltier or anyone like that from uh, from <clears throat> for Tyler Toffoli, excuse me. But Emil Heinemann, he's projected to be a fringe top six, maybe a top nine player. Uh, it's just time we'll have to tell how he develops here in Montreal. We know the developing players aspect of our management hasn't been our strong point, but yeah. they've completely uh, revamped the management. So hopefully he can turn into a solid uh, depth piece for uh, for us. If he makes it to the big, uh, ma- makes it to the NHL and to the big leagues, uh, hopefully he can be a top six guy. That would be a, a huge for what we just gave up. Uh, but yeah, fifth round pick. This is where I was like, huh? I kind of like a first Emil Hyman. And I thought maybe we could get like a second round pick at least back a third, maybe, you know, I was looking at an Anthony Mantha trade, similar Jacob Verona, Richard panic. Yeah. They got a 2020 first and a 2022 second and rich, you know, they're close in age, Anthony Mantha and Tyler Toffoli. I know, you know, Mantha might have a little more to offer with his size, uh, mm-hmm. but Tyler Toffoli is a great penalty killer. He's a great scorer, yeah. great power play guy. So I don't yeah. know. Uh, I just thought maybe they could switch that fifth for a, uh, for a second or third, especially since our prospect is kind of a, a we'll see type prospect, you know, time will tell type prospect. And so, uh, yeah, but a great trade overall, both teams. That's what's going on in the news. It's just yeah. a great trade for both teams that I have to agree with, but Montreal, they're going to be stacking up on the first round picks. They got Good. two right now, technically three, one of them's going to Arizona, uh, for the Dvorak trade, which isn't looking so good now, but anyway, you got two, you got your top lottery pick that you have right now because your last place and you have this pick now with the flames you're going to get a first round pick with ben Sherratt, right so you're going to have three picks and then mike hoffman you should be able if you decide to trade him you should be able to go for a first round pick too because his deal is not very similar to tyler Tafoy's, and he's one of the elite scores five on, or on the power play mike hoffman basically over the last five years mike hoffman's got to be up there in goal scoring mm-hmm. um so you can get like four first round picks now in this yeah. year's draft who knows what Lekkonen gives you? Definitely probably not a first-round pick, uh, but some good pieces back. And maybe even Jeff yeah. Petrie. You know, if you retain some salary, there's news yeah. that you know teams are interested in Petrie if the salary is retained. Montreal's not going to be competing for a few years now. So, what, Petrie has three years left, something like that. Yeah. Retain the salary. You can get trade Petrie away, potentially five first-round picks there yeah. uh, in this year. Um, that would be, uh, that'd be special. That'd be definitely, uh, that's Kent Hughes' job for sure. Looking to trade those guys. And at this point, like sentimental value. Yeah. Tyler Toffoli, it hurts seeing him get traded. No, it it, it hurts. But okay. The thing, how I see this trade is Tyler Toffoli right now, he has value, right? And he's, he's actually having a pretty decent season and he's already 29 years old. Right. And Last year, he did what he did. He got his goals. But realistically, he deserves to be on a contender, right? He's that type of player. Like, you don't want him playing on a – on a not a garbage team, but a team that's not going to do a bottom of the league right now. Yeah. So, trade, Tyler Toffoli probably wanted – like, he wouldn't mind getting trade. Obviously, a great locker room guy. Uh, you saw what Cole Caulfield said. Like, he was yeah. super sad and everything. But great locker room guy. Always been a really good player. Um, always been able to score. But 
with the goal scoring. So he's a little inconsistent with the goal scoring. Yeah, he's a streaky player sometimes. He's a streaky player. He's a proven goal scorer. Yeah, he's a proven goal scorer, but very streaky. Doesn't get too many assists, but does score, right? So the thing with that type of player is you want that type of player in the playoffs. You don't want that guy in the regular season. You want those guys. I love that guy in the regular season. (laughs) I would love Tyler Tapoli in the regular season. There. Scored 28 goals for us. Okay, yeah, fair, fair. But don't forget the year before, like, he's very, like, He's, let's say he's not someone I draft in fantasy. He's just a, on the f- okay. Fantasy is completely different. <laughs> he's a great he's player. A, great yeah. player. No, he no. He's a really good player. He's always he, he got thirty goals. Uh, like what? Yeah. Six years ago now, but whatever. But yeah. So the thing with Montreal now is, I feel like this starts the beginning of the rebuild, right? So they have yeah. a bunch of players that are like in the twenty six to thirty range, thirty something range, right? So, but the good players, right? Like as you said, Hoffman. Devor, uh, I don't know if they trade. Probably Devorak, right? I don't know. They don't trade anyone's Devoli. available. Josh Anderson, right? Um, he's not getting they, traded. Yeah, he's not getting. Yeah, he um, well, but the thing with Lekin is, I heard a lot of teams are actually interested in Lekin. That's why they, That's why he's gonna have to get traded. Because his value is super high, and there's no point. That's for why him you have to, to trade him. Strong. That's exactly. why. So he's a great player. He's a great defensive player. Imagine him like with the Rangers, man, on your on the penalty kill with him with mm-hmm. Barclay Goudreau. He exactly. can play third line. Uh, he's great with five-on-five puck possession. If you look yeah. at his Corsi stats, uh, he's great in the zone with puck possession. So, uh, Lekin on the Rangers is a perfect fit for me. It's just a matter mm-hmm. of when. And, yeah, he's a guy who can get you value, maybe a pro- maybe a pick of third and a prospect. Maybe, you know, depending on yeah. what the bidding price and teams asking, it could increase. We'll see. But but the thing is, now that Bergeron is gone, and I feel like Bergeron had this connection to Price, right, where he, like, because Price was there and he's the one that signed Price – he he was like, I'm not rebuilding. Like, I'm going for it. And even during free agency, right? You guys made it to the finals, and then he was like, Okay, we're we're good enough to to be a contender again. But realistically, if you really really think about it, Montreal is gonna be like a. Obviously, Price got in, if Price didn't get injured, maybe. But you guys were gonna be like a. You're you guys weren't gonna be at the top of yeah. the standings. You guys were gonna have to battle to make the playoffs realistically. So now that Price is injured, Bergeron is gone. Hughes comes in and. I think doing a rebuild is pretty smart. Just trading all, yeah. all your assets away. It's the only realistic because you guys have so many good pieces right now yeah. and on pretty decent contracts. So I say just trade everything away, uh, get some pieces. But the thing in Montreal, it's hard to do a rebuild in Montreal, though, because the fans are so passionate and they want to see their team win. That's your point uh, that you're basically m- making a point about why Bergevin signed all those players in the offseason, right? Uh, David Savard when Shea Weber went down and mm-hmm. the teams were like, well, what's Bergeron going to do? Like our team is in shambles right now. Well, he goes down and gets Mike Hoffman, David Savard. He picks up death pieces and, uh, and, um, uh, Matthew Perot and, uh, Paquette. And, you know, I didn't expect, cause you were, yeah, we would have been a team fighting for playoffs, man. We were a team during our cup run fighting for the playoffs yeah. in that North division. Yeah. We were the fourth seed to get in. Yeah. And Calgary was, uh, or, or, uh, did Calgary make it? Or uh, uh, it was, what was it? Edmonton. Oh, Calgary. Edmonton, Winnipeg, Toronto. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, and Calgary was like on our tail, was the yeah. last team behind us. And Vancouver was out of it long, long ago. But um, yeah, so they, they were a team that struggled for the playoffs. They got hot at the right time. And then Shea Weber goes down with an injury. And then, you know, uh, carry prices out and then you're thinking wow this team's gonna struggle at first and joe edmondson is out and you know and then you jeff petrie has his terrible season and then you know gallagher gets injured our whole team gets injured in shambles mm-hmm. but like it's hard you know i you can criticize the david savar contract now it looks terrible at the time 
You know, I thought uh, it was, it kind of made sense at the time. You know, I'm not David Savard, but going out and getting a top D man. Ken Hughes mentioned that, you know, he's done signing these stay at home D men like Savard, Alzner, and stuff like that. He's going to get fast defenseman players yeah. uh, who can move the puck. So David Savard is probably the last contract we'll see by a defenseman who gets that type of contract and salary uh, for the to play with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, but yeah, um, it's just, yeah. So Bergeron had to make some moves. You can't say you're committing to a rebuild. And then Ken Hughes is basically saying, and Jeff Gordon saying, we're going to commit to a yeah. rebuild. The fans are on board. Everyone's yeah. on board right now. Uh, okay. We're dead last. We're going to get a top pick. It's time to get those picks. It's a, it's a deep draft class, right? It's very yeah. deep, very, uh, uh, it's a good one. So you got to get these picks. You got to load up on them. And then if you can get like four of them, man, that'd be crazy at the trade yeah. deadline. Trade Sherrod away. He's going to get you a first round pick, right? Exactly. Jeff Petrie, but, depending on how they do it, he'll get you a first round pick too. Because I, I like the new culture in Montreal. Like the fact that they went out and got uh, Martin Stanley yeah. too, right? As a coach, we didn't really talk about it yet. But yeah. the fact that like Lee reconstructed the whole team. Uh, now that they got Martin St. Louis, uh, Ducharme wasn't a back coach, right? He's the one that uh, he just brought... lost the locker room. Yeah, he lost the locker room, and the, he knew he was going. Like everyone knew he was going to get fired at the end of the season. But I, I, as it was I just said, it was getting embarrassing. Yeah, you know? like you, you, I know what you're mentioning that like Jeff Gordon said he'd stay coach the rest of the year, mm-hmm. and then but like these seven one losses just too embarrassing yeah, to watch. It's like exactly these guys are going out there and they're not even playing good hockey. And so you just got to get a new voice in there. Martin St. Louis, Ken Hughes said that he would like think outside the box when picking his next head coach. And this is definitely outside the box. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, his coat, I think uh, what his U 13 team that he was coaching. um, Ken Hughes maybe had a son. I'm not sure what it was, but they were linked somehow. Uh, Oh, you know, Jack Hughes is going to get drafted this year. So yeah, but not. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how the two were linked. But anyway, the U thirteen yes, yes, team yes. and him. Yeah. I forget what it was. Some no, it wasn't the. I, I think it was Martin St. Louis. Uh, he, I think his other son. Or, oh yeah, Martin St. Louis has a son that yeah. uh, or something like yeah that play on the same like, team. You're right. Yeah. Northeastern. Uh, yeah, North Jack Eastern. Hughes. Uh, Eric does Kent Hughes draft his son Jack Hughes this year? <laughs> Picking with those four draft picks, he's expected to go twenty six. Not really. Like I don't know. I looked at his drafts. Um, uh, like uh, his scouting analysis, and it says he's not going to excel in any parts of the game, really. But he's a responsible, yeah. smart player. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, but that'd be funny. But also, you can't can't be conflicted. Can't have emotion. Uh, you yeah, know, can't no, be emotional yeah. picking draft picks, and oh, it can't be. You know, that'd be a bad. That'd be a bad. Does he pick his son? I don't know. That'd be a uh, because then you like if he doesn't pan out, you're like, well, he picked it because he's his son and screwed us anyway. Yeah. That'd be funny though. Uh, but yeah. Montreal's going to stack up here on draft picks, draft capital. We're, gonna, mm-hmm. we're definitely going to have another episode about the trade deadline, which is in oh, March. Sure. And, yeah. you know, by then we'll see who gets traded. Uh, but there'll be a lot more trades talking about Montreal in the future and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, they're going to be uh, – it's going to be interesting because there's guys who, you know, you might not expect get traded and boom, they're gone. Tyler Tafoy is one of them. I didn't expect him to get traded this year or, you know, it was going to be closer to the deadline, like a deadline day deal. Uh, but he gets traded. Jeff Petrie would be an interesting one. Don't expect him to get traded, but you'd be surprised what teams are willing to pay if uh, you, you shed some salary off. I could still see Jeff Petrie going for a first-round pick. I know he's having a terrible offensive season, but man, he's a proven 40-point guy, oh, yeah. uh, top four minutes. Um, it's just that he struggled with the amount of pressure and you know him having to step up. Edmondson's down. Weber's down. Ben Sherratt has been inconsistent, right? The whole team's been inconsistent, so... 
Uh, that's led to him being inconsistent, very inconsistent. And so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. A lot of players that have been here for a few years now could get traded. Uh, even Gallagher might. That'd be I, tra- I mean, that'd be sad. Uh, I'd be surprised too. But man, do, do some of these guys want to stick around for the rebuild? I'm not sure they do. And Gallagher's contract is very hard to move now, 6.25 when he's injured and you know playing inconsistent. But again, teams will be interested for sure. But yeah, I uh, love the trade for both squads. Um, and uh, it's going to be interesting. I like the Flames. I love that trade by the Flames. And Flames, man, they look good. That's a good top uh, top nine oh, yeah. unit that they have. And maybe maybe we see them going after Ben Chirot. Hey, they're Flames decor. Uh, they lost Giordano. Uh, yeah. Ryan Leslie of Sportsnet who covers the Flames. Um, he, was, he talked about that idea of maybe going for Ben Chirot. He said, listen, there's a lot of guys here who are blossoming, having career years. I don't know. Brad Tree Living is going to want to tinker with that. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, maybe they could add some uh, some death pieces. Who knows? Maybe Sharat uh, would have been involved in this deal if he hadn't been injured. It's going to be interesting to see for sure. But yeah, that has been this episode of the Shipman Zang Show. Thank you for listening on Spotify or watching here on YouTube with us. And uh, we'll definitely uh, talk to you guys in the next episode, episode 60 next week. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And uh, we'll see you then. Roll the outro.